Uh, next up is John Poling. This is John's second time participating in the Next to Normal Story Slam, and he would like everyone to know that his eureka moment is analogous to the old-timey exclamation used when someone discovered gold, uh, not the eureka of Archimedes excitedly jumping out of the bath when he figured out the volume of water displacement. John is soft science, not hard science. Uh, and John believes that January is to be endured. John Pulling. Well, rarely have I selected a song that is so perfect for the moment that I was at, because I still hadn't found what I was looking for. I was sitting at the microfilm reader in Milner Library for what felt like about the hundredth time, and real doubt was really beginning to creep in. I had staked a lot on finding just this one thing, and I was sure that if I just had a detailed search, I could find it. But now, uh, dozens of spools later, and I hadn't found it, uh, it was beginning to look like my expected eureka moment might actually be a, a serious setback for me. And I kind of had to question, well, how the hell did I get here? How did I put my, what I was sure was going to be my eureka moment in peril? And it goes back many, many years prior to this, and it started with a book that I found in the library, and uh, it was a book about gay rights. And at the time, I was closeted, and I didn't have the guts to check the book out, but I did look at it in the library, and one of the things that really stuck out to me was there was a picture, a photograph of several very conservatively dressed men and women in the early 1960s, and they were picketing in front of the White House, and I could not believe that. I could, had no idea that as far back as the early 1960s, there were people who were brave enough or crazy enough not only to be publicly out, but to demand for their rights. And that photograph, it stuck with me. So fast forward a few years, quite a few years, and I am at that point an out and woke, as the kids say today, <laughs> history graduate student. And I'm thinking about a topic from my thesis and that I would like to do something on gay history. And I think back to that photograph. The caption of it had said that they were a group called the Mattachine Society. And what they were protesting for specifically at that particular time was uh, guaranteed federal employment because what could very easily happen if you were, there was even a whiff of a rumor that you were gay is that you would lose your job. No questions asked because you were automatically a security risk and they said you could be blackmailed. Didn't matter what position you were in in the government, you could be blackmailed. And so I did a little preliminary research on the Mattachine Society because I thought, well, maybe this is an idea of something that I can research and write about. And I found out that the group was founded in 1950 in California by, surprise, surprise, a communist. Uh, his name was Harry Hay. 
And Harry Hay, in his younger years, had had a romance with another young, com another young communist and a struggling actor whose name was Will Gear. That's right, Grandpa Walton was good people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's said that the Mattachine Society, uh, their goal was to improve the rights of gay people. And while most of its members were closeted, were anonymous, some did speak to the press, and they began to found chapters in some of the larger cities like New York and Washington, D.C., and hence why I had seen that photograph. It was members of the Washington, D.C. Mattachine Society that were protesting in front of the White House. There had also been a group in Chicago, and this is when my ears pricked up because I thought, Chicago, is this a possible thesis topic? Because I could definitely handle trips up to Chicago to research this. So I called the, the main LGBT archive in Chicago, and the archivist said that, yes, they had some uh, documents from the Mattachine Society in Chicago. Mainly, they were newsletters, she said. And uh, she also informed me that I was not, I was researching, actually, the third manifestation of this group. There had been two other groups before the group that I had found out about. And I wondered what had happened. Why hadn't those two earlier groups been successful? Their documents that they left didn't tell too much. Uh, one had existed for a couple years in the late 1950s. The other one had existed in the early 1960s, and both had eventually collapsed. But it wasn't that difficult to really figure out probably what happened, because to one, to, to be out in the late 50s and early 1960s as gay, was very dangerous. Uh, you would likely lose your job. You could be shunned by your family. So the fact that these two chapters, you know, were advocating for something like gay rights, you know, that sounds like a pretty risky prospect. And to be outed back then was just devastating. But there was a third attempt, a third group. And they founded themselves in 1965, and they called themselves Mattachine Midwest. And I thought to myself, well, what changed? Why did, after these two failed attempts, did these skittish gay men and lesbians in Chicago decide that they wanted to try one more time to have a group? So that was gonna be the key question for my thesis. And actually that was one that answered itself fairly quickly. Because going back into the documents and some interviews uh, with founding members, Many of them recalled this notorious, well-known bar raid that had occurred in either 1965 or 1966. Now, in this bar raid, these people said, the place was called the Fun Lounge, the bar was called the Fun Lounge, and these people said that Dozens of people got arrested in this raid and that the next day all their names were printed in the newspaper and that several of them had lost their jobs. Now, this was not uncommon, actually, back then. Uh, bar raids were ways that police chiefs and sheriffs could make splashy headlines and show that they were all about cracking down on vice. Go and raid a gay bar, right? Um, so, 
it's not that surprising that it happened, but that it, enough people were impacted by it that they felt that they wanted to give another try at founding a Mattachine Society was surprising. So I needed to go back then and figure out at what point this bar raid happened and where that was in relationship to when this organization got started. That turned out to be the difficult part because while many people clearly remembered the raid at the Fun Lounge, no one ever wrote down or at least recorded somewhere where I saw it the date that it actually occurred. And this was the event, the galvanizing event, that started Mattachine Midwest. In fact, 140 people came to their first meeting in July 1965, which is incredible to think 140 people, most of them probably would have been gay people, maybe some allies, but mostly probably gay people, to come out in 1965 was really remarkable. And so I decided, well, the only way that I'm going to find this out is I have to find this article and figure out when this bar raid happened. And I lucked out in one sense because uh, ISU has a fairly, or did have a fairly extensive collection of Chicago Tribunes on microfilm. And I thought, well, if it's gonna be in any paper, it's going to be in the Trib, right? And so it would just become a matter of then, you know, pulling months from 1965 and just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling until I found it because surely this was a big deal and this was front page news and it was just going to be a matter of looking through a few months and I would find it. Well, it was it wasn't terrible at first. It was tedious, but when I would go to you know I had a few extra hours, I would go to the library and I would just pull some microfilm. I started with the beginning of 1965 and it was interesting to kind of relive these weeks in you know 1965 in Chicago and see what was happening. And actually the most frustrating part for me was these microfilm readers were automatic so some of you might remember when you used to hand crank them but all you had to do was hit a button and it was very easy to like shoot past days and then I would have to back up and figure out what I had missed. The problem came, however, is that as I got further and further into 1965, I was not finding this bar raid at all. And that's the point that brings us back to the beginning of my story, because now I had to entertain the thought that maybe it wasn't as big a deal as a lot of these people thought that it was, or maybe it wasn't in the paper at all, or maybe it was in the Chicago Daily News or Chicago Sun-Times and it wasn't in the Chicago Tribune. Maybe I wasn't gonna get my eureka moment. But I, I decided that, well, I would go into 1964 and I would give that a shot. So I started January of 1964, I go week after week and I'm not finding anything and my spirits sank and I thought, well, this is it. This is a major thing because this event started this organization and I can't find any evidence that this event ever really happened. Well, you can probably see where I'm going with this. Because then, of course, on one ordinary, nothing special day, as I'm scrolling through the umpteenth time through a roll of microfilm, I do a double take. I stop. I roll back. No. There it says in the headline, teacher, one of eight seized in vice raid quits. I look at the lead paragraphs. 
in an early morning raid at a tavern known as the Fun Lounge, eight suburban teachers were arrested along with 102 other people in this bar raid. Eureka! (laughs) I found it. I now had the genesis of Mattachine Midwest, and I knew that what these people had, you know, in their interviews said was legitimate, that this was a really big deal. This bar raid had, in fact, occurred. So I went on to write my thesis about Mattachine Midwest, a group that lasted for 20 years, and they were a fairly big deal in the late 1960s in Chicago. They were the only group that was out there engaging with police and trying to deal with police harassment. It is still, 18 years later, it is the only history that has been, major history that has been written of the organization. I got the group, uh, I, I nominated them and I got them inducted into the Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame in Chicago. And I won a couple of nice awards for my thesis. But most of all, I was just happy that other people will get to discover these brave gay pioneers in Chicago. And I look back at that time of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling (laughs) as really a labor of love more than research work. Oh, and I should tell you one more thing. What was the date of that bar raid appearing in the Chicago Tribune? Well, it was April 26th, 1964. That just happened to be the day that I was born. Thank you.